It's April 6th, and the Twins are 4-2, and two, but is that the entire story? Do we feel differently if the Twins had won two of three in each series to this point instead of dropping two of three to the Marlins? That's what we'll discuss on today's show. So sit back, buckle up, and get comfortable. Locked on Twins starts now. You are Locked on Twins. Your daily Minnesota Twins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, hello. We are back with Locked On Twins. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts, as well as on YouTube. And of course, we're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, which is your team every day. As a reminder, if you want to hang out in the comments section, we will, I will, I guess, answer your questions and just kind of have a little banter, a jovial back and forth, if you will, and just have some fun. Also, too, if you have questions you want answered on the show, I like this to be an interactive show, so please feel free to send those in via whatever means you have possible at your disposal. We've even gotten a few through text, so that's pretty cool. Um, other than that, we're just going to dive right in. And we're going to talk about first the Marlins series. So Twins drop two of three and fall to fall to, which seems strange to say four and two on the season. And I am curious how people feel about that start because four and two is good, but you know, losing to the Marlins is a tough pill to swallow in the sense that they're not really considered in the thick of things in the NL East this year. Now, with that said, Certainly no shame in losing to defending Cy Young winner Sandy Alcantara, Alcantara, excuse me. And also, too, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus Lazardo, there we got it, was, was solid from the left side, throwing heat, hiding the ball well, and pitching out of the shadows, too, which is um, obviously a difficult part of the ball game as well. Well, let's, let's take a rundown quick first of comments from Twitter. I asked people how the opening series made them feel. And we got a lot of comments, I think almost 50, which is pretty cool. So I said we'd read the best ones on the air. Large G says the rotation looks excellent. The bullpen is mostly fine, but the bats are a bit hot and cold. Hard to complain too much about being shut down by Alcantara and Luzardo. Tend to agree with that. Both of those guys pitched very, very well. And it's not as though Kent Maeda didn't give them a chance to win in game two, and Pablo Lopez especially in game three. Harley Schultz says, so far so good. The series against the Astros will be the big legitimacy test as they bring both big bats and solid pitching. We'll break down that series upcoming here in the final segment of today's show. Kasabe says, pitching has been great. Hopefully the offense warms up into May, just like the weather. We're hoping that too, which is why they're not playing today. Although I'm looking outside and the sun's shining bright and i guess it just comes down to friday being a better day for baseball pat dwyer says loving the pitching overall and hope maeda is okay positional depth is the biggest issue very concerned about polanco and kirloff uh good update on polanco starting a rehab stint with fort myers in low a today batting second and playing second so hard to say how long that rehab stint will go but hopefully it's not terribly long with that said, he didn't play any in spring training, so it may not be of that three-game to five-game variety. It'll be maybe the better part of a week. 
but we'll see what happens. Extreme Elixir says he is hesitantly optimistic. Starting pitching looks like it could be the deepest in the league. And bullpen has possibly a few leaky holes, but two bad runs aren't enough to call it just yet. I agree with that. Davis Prusman says he's very pleased from the pitching perspective, but he says the lineup continues to be streaky, just like the last couple of years. Also mentions Luis Arise. Andrew Neeland says he is confident the pitching will hide the offensive struggles. I, not as positive, but we'll see about that. Our friend Allen says he'll take a four and two road trip any time of the year. Uh, Cody says he's worried about cold streaks with offense, but he is pleased with the pitching. Twins Nation podcast says ask after the homestand. We'll just read a couple more of these and then we'll move on. Um, Kevin Olson says starting staff has been great and he's excited that Trevor Larnick may be breaking out. That's exciting to see. He batted ninth against Lazardo and was actually one of very few players to get a hit, um, driving in the only run of the game. Um, <clears throat> Mike the Scolger says as long as we don't run into any more aces, we're going to run the table, which, yeah, uh, 159 and two, I guess, right? And what else do we got? Minnesota Matt says, same old twins, sketchy pen, and streaky hitting. They're not going to run away with anything. I don't think that's necessarily unfair, but I also think, too, nobody said anything about running away with the division. So um, twins win 11-1 on Monday. Johnny Cueto gets absolutely bombed before leaving with an injury. Kepler leading off the game with a home run was a good sign of things to come with Trevor Larnick, Joey Gallo, and Ryan Jeffers all homering, although Jeffers off a catcher, but um, Tyler Malley looked very good, seven strikeouts in five innings. So you like to see that. Uh, the 1-0 loss on Tuesday, certainly a tough pill to swallow, but Sandy Alcantara was Sandy Alcantara. He was absolutely great. Um, Kento was also very, very good, and it appears he's going to make his upcoming start, though he did leave with some discomfort in his arm. So that'll be something to keep an eye on. That game went one hour and 57 minutes, too. We'll talk about that here in just a minute, about how we feel about shorter games. And then the series wraps with a 5-2 loss. Lizardo versus Lopez was everything it could have been billed as. And then Jacks, Griffin Jacks and Caleb Fieldbar run into a little trouble late. Uh, Jorge Soler hits a second home run of the day, an absolute moonshot. And that kind of ended the day for the Twins. But kind of a fun little matchup seeing Caleb Fieldbar strike out Luis Arise in the eighth inning, but then Soler came up and did what he does. So not the end of the world to drop two or three to the Marlins. You look at it from a, a 10,000 foot standpoint you don't want, but then, yeah, you face some really dang good pitching and, and part of you too wonders just how good this Marlins team could have been if they had this version of Pablo Lopez in the rotation too, but they needed offense. They got offense from Arise. They're still a little ways off. I think it's still going to be a pretty tough year in Miami, but they gave other teams a pretty good taste of what they're capable of when their pitching is on point. Um, zero roster moves so far. I wanted to highlight that too because Dick Bramer mentioned that in, I want to say, Wednesday's game. Um, he said that there were like multiple pages of uh, transactions and moves in the media guide from this year talking about last year, which goes to show just kind of the amount of turnover this roster had. 
and it was pretty indicative of how the year went on the whole. So, um, yeah, so far so good. Hopefully the upcoming roster moves here are, you know, activating Jorge Polanco, maybe at some point Alex Kirilov. Also not placing Kent Maeda on the injured list, but for now we can feel good about that. And then in the comments, and I'll share my opinion too, games going much shorter. Wednesday's game was on pace to go under two hours again until things got a little dicey late. And let's see if I can find the official time of game. Um, just pull it up here. The They're averaging, I know for a fact, they're averaging like 30 minutes less than they were in games last year. Game time, two hours, 10 minutes. Attendance, 8,981. Woof, I don't like that. But yeah, two hours, 10 minutes. Um, I've seen people go both ways when it comes to shorter games. There's obviously a, an element of fans wanting to be at games a little longer for the amount they pay for ticket prices, concessions, parking, all that stuff. But at the same time, too, you know, the games on TV going a lot faster are probably going to make them a little more enjoyable from an entertainment standpoint. You don't have to block off as much time in your day, which means you can watch a higher percentage of games if you're a busy person. And also, too, you consider that even on a good day, your paying audience is 30-some thousand at Target Field, and you're hoping to get multiple multiples of that watching on television. Although with Bally going belly up, we'll see. So I, the shorter games to me aren't that problematic. I kind of have liked them so far just because then I can squeeze in the daily podcast for you guys. And I can squeeze in still being a dad, still being a productive member of society. But I also was concerned that these rules would kind of muck up what is an otherwise beautiful game, fix a problem that didn't really exist. And to this point, I think I'm actually in favor. I'm If you were to give me like a – if 50-50 means you're truly riding the fence, I'm about a 65-35 right now. And as kinks get ironed out, you know, nobody wants to see someone strike out or walk on a violation. That's – especially, you know, someday somebody will get their 1,000th strikeout. Or Pablo Lopez got his 500th strikeout or is, is in the – yeah, you got it, I think. Um, you wouldn't want that on a pitch violation or something like that or a hitter violation. I just think that's kind of anticlimactic. So, um, yeah, in general, I think I'm in favor of it so far. Let's talk about a new sponsor to the show, eBay Motors, ebaymotors.com. For parts that fit, head to eBay Motors and look for that green checkmark. Stay in the game with eBay Guaranteed Fit ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. Eligible items only. Exclusions do apply. Also, and this is another one that you guys have heard plenty of, Built Bar. Have you had your Built Bars yet? They're not only delicious, they're nutritious. They're a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. You go to builtbar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON15. You'll get 15% off your next order. I was just looking at the list of flavors and I don't even know if I got through all of them. There's so many. So lots to choose from. If you've got a specific taste, they've got a specific bar for you. Now, what we're going to talk about here for a minute 
is prospects. And we'll, we'll kind of break the mold here a little bit. We'll talk about the Astros in a second because the Astros are an interesting baseball team right now. They are three and four. They got a bunch of key players injured. But prospect lists, an update to Baseball America dropped. And there are four twins. You take 100 prospects divided by four, that's 25. So there's more than 25 teams in the major leagues. Having four prospects is better than average. That's maybe some simple math. I don't know, maybe too simple. But I'll just run down here what they have for each guy and go from there. Royce Lewis still on the list, hasn't eclipsed rookie eligibility yet. Hopefully that'll happen within uh, the near future here. But they have him at 42. Lewis has been waylaid by a pair of knee injuries in the last two seasons, but has shown his immense upside when given a chance in the big leagues. Carlos Correa's return adds questions about Lewis's defensive home, but he's already been tested at other spots across the diamond, including center field. And that last part, probably not great. Um, you'll notice a, a trend here. The Twins' top three prospects are all bunched up. So Lewis at 42, Brooks Lee at 44, and comment here is Lee was in play at the top of the draft, the very top, making it a boon for the Twins when he fell to them at number eight. He was one of the most polished bats in the college class and offers a solid blend of skills on both sides of the ball. You don't have to go far for the next Twins prospect. It's Emmanuel Rodriguez at 45, so just the next spot down. Rodriguez is one of the strongest up-arrow candidates on the list. He showed an uncommon blend of offensive gifts at low A, before knee injuries ended his season. And despite that, evaluators were effusive in their praise of a player who could take huge strides up the board with a healthy return at high A. And then finally, Edouard Julien is 99th, so right at the tail end. His combination of plate, discipline, and power was apparent throughout the WBC, where he was Team Canada's best bat. And as we all know, glove at second base is suspect, but bat should be enough for first base. Uh, some other names of note on the list. Uh, Tamar Johnson and Cam Collier, two guys that may have been in the mix for the Twins or, you know, had been mocked to them in different uh, situations before the draft. Uh, Tamar is 48, Cam Collier 69th, and then Max Meyer, former U of M pitcher, is 87th. Also, one other update to speak of. Uh, Edouard Julien was just added into the top 100 on the MLB pop pipeline. Easy for me to say. Top 100. Uh, usually that means there was a graduation on the list somewhere. I'm not entirely sure who it was because I didn't follow that part specifically. But the rest is, they're a little higher on Brooksley. They have him 29th. They have Lewis at 43. So just, let's see, one spot behind where he was in Baseball America. And then Erod, Emmanuel Rodriguez at 86th. And then, like I said, Julianne at 100 on the nose. And then of the other three guys that we talked about, they have Max Meyer at 65, so a little higher on him coming back from elbow surgery. And then they have Collier at 67, but they have Tamar Johnson all the way up at 24. So, you know, with these prospect things, you'll see a lot of different lists, a lot of different variants, but it is what it is. Um, also, too, we'll probably talk about other prospect updates as the season goes on. Keith Law, and then anyone else that comes out that appears to be reputable, if, if people enjoy listening to that, will do that. Let's talk about a new sponsor, by the way. So Rare is a revolutionary fantasy baseball game and marketplace transforming fans into owners with a 
officially licensed digital cards featuring players from across across all 30 big league teams. Kind of fun. Um, there are two ambassadors, big league ambassadors for this. And I had it pulled up here, and now I can't find it. We're just winging it here. Oh, Juan Soto and Julio Rodriguez. So pretty exciting young players to have on the list. Unlike other fantasy baseball platforms, so rare managers truly own their fantasy experience. You can collect, buy, sell, and compete with other player cards against, with player cards, excuse me, against global opponents to win epic rewards. Win or lose, you still own your cards and there's no cost to play. I'm excited about this opportunity and they're a brand new sponsor. So you should um, definitely check them out. Head to so rare dot com slash locked on that's so rare just like so and rare dot com to draft your team full of free player cards set your lineup and start competing today to win epic rewards again that's so rare dot com slash locked on and you can start playing today now let's look up at this Astros series the Astros are three and four which is surprising and you never want to wake a sleeping giant which is um, definitely the case here uh, let's run down the matchups. Uh, Sonny Gray versus Jose Urquidy in the home opener on Friday. Joe Ryan against Luis Garcia. Garcia is probably better than you realize. Kind of uh, same concept as Jesus Lazardo, so be be prepared for him to be pretty good. And then Sunday, the series finale is Tyler Malley against Hunter Brown. Um, we'll just run through here quick, too. The White Sox come to town next. Kenta against Dylan Cease, Pablo Lopez on Tuesday against Lance Lynn. If you didn't see today, Lance Lynn gave up eight, eight runs against the Giants today in a 16 to six loss. I'm just going to pull it up because I don't know how many of those were earned. All eight earned, three home runs allowed, uh, five home runs allowed altogether, although Hanser Alberto pitched the last inning and then Matt Beatty pitched the last inning. He's a right fielder for the Giants. So, a little position player on position player combat there to end the game. But um, White Sox fall to three and four. I think they got out homered something like 13 to one in the series. So yeah, not things not going great on the South side. Um, but yeah, Twins excited to face Lancelin if he keeps that up. And then Sonny Gray versus Giolito in the series finale on Wednesday. And we'll have more about that as it gets closer. Let's talk about these Astros. So you go to the depth chart on roster resource. It's fangraphs.com slash roster resource. And the Astros look very different than you may remember. Um, starting with Jose Abreu batting cleanup most of the time. Um, we just talked about the White Sox. And then that's Mr. White Sox there. Um, Andrew Vaughn taking over at first base for them. And Abreu doing um, you know some good things in Houston. But... The names you recognize, Jeremy Pena, who got some flowers as the replacement for Carlos Correa at shortstop, had a real nice year last year. Bregman, Jordan Alvarez, Jose Abreu, Kyle Tucker. But then it gets kind of funky. Um, the outfield has been absolutely mashing, and we'll break that down here in just a second. But uh, Chaz McCormick, David Hensley, Mauricio Dubon, and Martin Maldonado. So not what would seem to be a strong bottom part of the order. And then the bench, I, before this afternoon, had not heard of three of the four guys on their bench. So I've heard of Jake Myers, outfield, backup, 
Um, he's played a couple games so far. But then Yanir Diaz is their backup catcher. Cesar Salazar is a backup catcher slash first baseman. And Corey Jelks is their kind of utility man. I had not heard of those three guys. I think maybe Diaz I'd heard of. But, um, yeah, they're rolling pretty lean. If you look at their injured list right now, Lance McCullers is laid up with a strained elbow. Obviously frustrating for him to this point um, that he hasn't been able to get healthy. And then on the offensive side, Jose Altuve and Michael Brantley, both very, very big losses. Um, Jose Altuve going down with a thumb broken in the World Baseball Classic by a Daniel Bard pitch. Uh, Daniel Daniel Bard on the injured list, he's dealing with some anxiety too. So nothing really good coming out of that situation between him and Altuve. And then Brantley had arthroscopic shoulder surgery last August. So he's um, hopefully progressing towards a return, but not there yet. So lucky for the Twins, they're going to see kind of a compromised Astros roster. But again, you don't want to wake a sleeping giant. Now, they will miss the top two pitchers in the rotation in Christian Javier and Framber Valdez. The Twins saw Framber in the 2020 playoffs. I think they probably saw Javier, too. I'm trying to rack my brain. But um, two guys who awesome, awesome, awesome. They're going to get the Pirates after the Twins. So Twins have a lot of things lining up for them. It's at home, not facing the top two pitchers, and a couple key guys out of the lineup. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. But with that said, that's it. That's a wrap for today. But before we split on this edition of Locked On Twins, make sure that your second listen of the day, after us being your first listen, of course, is Locked On Fantasy Baseball. You can win your league by listening to Matt and Dom every single day. They help you navigate the waiver wire the trade market, and all of those sorts of things so you can make shrewd trades and bring home the fantasy gold. So you can find Locked On Fantasy Baseball wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. They're also part of the Locked On Podcast Network, which is your team every day. Now, uh, make sure you follow Locked On Twins, Locked On Min, and, of course, me at Brandon underscore Warren, as you see on the screen if you're watching on YouTube. Thanks for hanging out and Subscribe, like, give us a five-star review. If you're listening on podcast platforms, those reviews are huge. Hit subscribe. Uh, come hang out in the comments section, all that fun stuff. And uh, send questions, too, if you want to ask something that will maybe pique my interest to put on the show. Thank you again for making Locked on Twins your first listen every single day. This is Brandon Warren signing off, saying thank you so much. And don't forget to stop by to Locked on Twins tomorrow.